Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the I Am Mom podcast. We are so grateful to be sharing this journey with you. And we hope you are receiving some really great tips and inspiration. Dimple and I are having a fantastic time doing this for you and just feel so grateful to have been given this opportunity. Today, we're going to discuss how to build and sustain healthy habits for your children. Now, all parents want to start their children on the path to well-being. And by developing these healthy habits early on, your child will be able to bring these habits into adulthood and have lifelong benefits. Yeah, it's it's a great topic. And it's so important to, to have these habits form at a young age because what we want to do is create these habits which embody our children's identity. And our identity is shaped by what we believed. So it's really easy to form habits when we're young, but once our habits form, they seem to stick stick around for a long time, especially the ones we don't want, right? So they're really hard to change in adult life. So when we're adults, what we do is we base changing our habits on what the outcome is that we want to achieve. But what we want to do is build identity-based habits for our children so that it helps them to focus on who they're becoming and who they want to be. Now, uh, James Clear, he's the author of the book Atomic Habits. I love that book. And he says that habits are like the atoms of our lives. So each one is a fundamental unit that contributes to your overall improvement. And he defines atomic habits as a regular practice or routine that is not only small and easy to do, but it has incredible power and leads to compound growth and improvement in your life. Oh my gosh, isn't that super powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I love that book too. I think it's just it's definitely a must read. Um, but you know, like, and it really points to the fact that a habit is a behavior, right? It's a behavior. And what happens is that once you create a habit, you have these little pathways in your brain, right? And we call them um, neural pathways when we're talking about it with our with the kids that we work with. And I kind of describe it as like a roadmap. Right. And so like you're, you know, you're driving on this road, the more that you drive on it, the more that you're going to be familiar with it. And just like habits, these neural pathways are formed and the more we do it, the more familiar it becomes and it becomes almost, well, it's not even almost, it does become automatic and uncontrolled and even unintentional. Right. So this habit that 
forms, whether they are positive or negative, is going to require little thought or effort to carry out because we have become so accustomed to it. Yes. And, and our neural pathways represent what we believe. And so research has shown that once a person believes a particular aspect of their identity by reinforcing this continued habit, they are more likely to to act in alignment with that belief. And then it just becomes an automatic thing. So while we're doing this, when our kids are young, it's going to really set them up for lifelong success. So for example, if they make their bed each day, they are then embodying the identity of being an organized person, for example, or if they read every day, they are embodying the identity of being a knowledgeable person, or if they exercise every day, they're going to embody the identity of being an athletic person. I love that the way you put that. Yes, you're absolutely right. It does embody the person, right? You know, what's coming up in my mind right now is the whole idea around um, like our break system in the school, in school, right? Mm. So for example, like right now, as we're recording this, it's September and we're right at the beginning of school time, right? And our kids are getting used to the idea again of waking up early so they may not seem as though they are this quote-unquote morning person and ready to go first thing in the morning a lot of them but it's because they haven't embodied that that uh, persona right because they haven't been most of them haven't been waking up early during the summer and so we're recreating this habit again now right and now they will be able to take on this persona of waking up early and being ready to go first thing in the morning I love that you brought that up because my entire life I've been saying I'm not a morning person so I've been embodying that identity of not being a morning person, but truthfully, anybody can develop a habit of waking up early and become a morning person. Yeah, essentially, right? And it's yeah. not that you have to be loving it. But, <laughs> I'll um, never love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? But um, you can do it, right? I mean, when you think of a lot of a lot of people, I keep hearing people waking up at 4.30 and they have this practice of doing this meditation and um, morning papers and uh, so on and so on, right? But it, it's not like they just have this internal clock that will, wakes them up at 4.30. They have created this habit, right? And the thing is, if you can harness your habits and focus on doing those things that are going to improve your life, then you are really going to reap these benefits, right? And speaking of habits, there are different ways of creating habits, and there's different theories as well on how long it takes to form a new habit. Now, a lot of the research really focuses on, uh, is really dependent on what type of habit we're talking about right the person the actual specifics of the goals and circumstances but most often researchers say that it takes 
about 21 days. However, Dimple, I know that you also have some more research, research suggesting that it takes longer. I did read somewhere and I cannot remember the source at the moment. I did read the latest number being 66 days. I have always thought it took 21 days to form a new habit, Mm -hmm. but I do actually believe that I read that it actually does take longer to really embody that habit. Mm -hmm. You know, that really does make sense, right? When Mm -hmm. you think about it, I think because then we can, if we're really engaged and intentional, going back to that episode of setting an intention of changing or having a new behavior in our lives, we're going to be focused on doing it. And if we're doing it every day, we're going to create these neural pathways and we will be essentially creating this habit. But to embody it into our own persona, I can see it can take a lot longer because that requires a lot more processes to to happen in our brains and within our physical bodies. Actually, I like that you brought that up too, because creating a new habit at at any given time, and especially in adulthood, has to involve a process, a change in your process of the way that you're doing things so that you can have and achieve a better outcome. So I do feel that in childhood, we have an opportunity to create identity-based habits, but in adulthood, really, we're, it's harder to create an identity-based habit and we're more likely to create outcome-based habits. Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? And I mean, when you think about it, these habits are who you are, right? Mm -hmm. It's really something that's become part of your routine. It, it's hard to change some of these habits, right? Especially, like you said, as you grow older, because, again, it just embodies you. But I think the biggest thing is having this awareness that you either want to replace a, a, a habit that's not working for you or create a new habit that will help you to live a more positive life, right? And there are so many different things that you can do to help change your habit habits and implement really good ones so that you are able to reach your goals and have a solid foundation for your life and for your children's lives. And having children gives us the opportunity to reassess our habits and motivates us to actually create habits for them that we would not have necessarily created or changed for ourselves in adult life. And I think it's an excellent opportunity. So the goal here is to give you some habits and concepts to think about so that we can actually raise kids that are more likely to be happier in adult life and to have less mental health issues. So that's what we're going to provide you with today. Yeah. And before we go into those, I think it's really important to remember that it is okay to take baby steps. If you are dreaming of running your first marathon, you are not going to sign up for it and run the next day. 
right? You're going to create and embody this persona as you're talking about of being a runner and take these small steps so that you are able to reach these big goals and these small steps that can be done every day. Yes. And we want to have reasonable expectations for our children and age appropriate expectations, but kids who do strive to do hard things, they are likelier to live happier lives. So we do want to challenge our children. And the beauty is when you have a new child that comes into the world, you can help them form habits without them even knowing because we're building those neural pathways from scratch. So it's really oh, yeah. exciting. Isn't that such a nice, uh, I love that. Like we have the power to do this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's important not to obviously expect perfection, but I do find as an adult, there are some habits that I've always wanted to change in myself that I didn't change until I had a child. So it gave me that opportunity to create that change for myself because I wanted it to be better for my child. And that modeling is one of the strategies that we wanted to share with you. When you are modeling these healthy habits, your children are going to be more likely to pick up from you, right? They're looking at you, oh, mommy's doing this or daddy's doing this or um, they're, they're acting in this manner or they're eating this. And so when they see it, they're going to register it and then follow up on that, thereby creating these habits for themselves independently. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, definitely true. And the habits that we're going to suggest here, they're common habits, but they're important to speak about and recognize because there is a lot of science and research behind these habits. Okay. So the first one that we want to bring up is giving our children the opportunity to have healthy nutrition and to drink enough water. It is a habit. Drinking enough water is a habit. So that's something that we want to teach our children from a young age. So giving them their own water bottle, for example, and monitoring how much water they drink in a day. In fact, everybody should be having uh, half your body weight in ounces of water. So that is a good indication of how much water your child or you should be drinking. So that is a habit that can go a long way. It's going to prevent constipation. It's going to uh, increase hydrochloric acid to help your food digest better. It's going to carry nutrients throughout the body. There are so many benefits to drinking water. So that's definitely a very important habit to uh, embody. And the next one is eating healthy, obviously. So having nutritious foods in the house that allow the family to embody the habit of eating healthy. Yeah, I think, um, and you know what, I love how you brought up the water concept. And I'll tell you why, because a lot of the times the kids who begin kindergarten won't bring water and they'll bring juice. And so I have a rule that you can't have the juice, juice during snack time or whatever, right? And some I've had parents say that, well, my child is not going to drink anything then. And I'm like, well, what about a water bottle? 
And so, and this has happened on many occasions. And there's, they say they, they're not going to drink water. So I say, well, I have this rule. You, if they really want this juice, they can have it in at lunchtime. But during snack time and throughout the day, we're going to be having water. So guess what happens? They end up drinking the water and it becomes a habit, right? Then they're, they're more, they, because it's been kind of in, oh, somewhat loosely enforced in the classroom and they're seeing everyone else do it, they end up doing it themselves. And then they don't even go to their juices like by the end of two or three weeks because they're so accustomed to drinking water. I, I didn't realize that it was such a common occurrence, but you're right. Adya has been coming home and telling me that a lot of students have juice in the classroom and juice has been shown to uh, be linked to greater incidence of cavities. And obviously it's more sugar intake. And, and so I definitely would encourage the water uh, mm-hmm. for sure for the kids. So I'm really glad that you have that rule. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm like, they will, they will drink. They're not going to, you know, be uh, scorched there for life. So, and they do, they end up drinking their water. Another really important habit to uh, establish is that of physical activity. And I know that this is a, a topic we've talked about prior in our episode of helping to reduce anxiety. And that is one of the really great reasons to incorporate physical activity, but it's also just great for um, a release, right? And to have these endorphins running through our body. It keeps our minds, our bodies, our brains functioning at an optimum, optimal level. So when you are creating this habit of exercise, again, if you need to start small by doing 10 minutes a day and gradually increasing it, the the intention here is to create an opportunity where your children can have some sort of physical exercise and when possible to do it outdoors so they're benefiting from nature as well um, and to keep it consistent so this habit is formed. Then you will see that when they have this, when they're continuing to do it, They will automatically want to do it and they'll crave to do it. And there'll be a difference in their bodies when they're not doing it. So again, this is another really, really great habit to foster at an early age. And it's not an easy habit to foster right now because when kids come home from school, if they are given the opportunity, they will sometimes first go to their screen time. And we have to pry them off of their screens in order to get them outdoor. And this is so critical to be aware of because outdoor play, it does improve social skills in children. And actually a 2017 study published in the Journal of Science and Medicine in sport found that children who increase their time playing outside they have an increase in empathy, engagement, and self-control, which are critical social skills. And if they have better social skills, they're going to be able to enjoy healthier relationships. And like we spoke about in our episode on creating healthy friendships, when they have healthier relationships and friendships, research shows that they will have better moods 
and in turn increase longevity and be happier overall. So it's really a compound effect. Oh, completely. Particularly if you have an opportunity to do it with, um, to, to have play with other, other people, like in your neighborhood, or if you have siblings or cousins or whatever it is, mm-hmm. because then they are able to practice those skills as well. Yeah. And you know, in another study, they found that kids with better social skills are actually twice as likely to go to college or university and less likely to experience substance abuse, obesity, and violence. Oh my so, gosh. Wow. yeah, so it's really important to make it a da- daily habit. And even being out in nature, yes. sense associated with nature. So sense like pine trees and cut grass and even lavender, it can actually boost your child's mood and boost anyone's mood. We've all heard of forest bathing for people who are depressed, right? So you want to actually really encourage this and even make it an outdoor activity because it's going to benefit the whole family. Yeah, you know, um, it is so true. I take the kids at school. uh, So this whole week, I've taken them outside for at least an hour in the afternoon. Amazing. Um, And our school is situated in a forest. And so we will often go into the forest and uh, do nature walks or even nature school. Mm. And the benefits of it, we've done studies on this as a school. The benefits for the kids are absolutely astounding. They're able to focus more. Um, They're able to get along together really, really well. So exactly what you said in that study is true because we've tried it at schools in real person, real life. So it's something that um, you don't think about has so many benefits, but it really, really does. Oh, that's excellent. It's so it's it's a critical thing. And and I know that we are, as a society headed in a direction of being more indoors right now. And cool. it is taking a toll on the health, mental health of, of kids and adults as well. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of these social emotional skills for children's development, another really great way of doing this is actually by creating the habit of having literacy as a part of your routine. So for example, reading with your child every day, right? And it's never too early early to start this. I know a lot of expecting moms will also be reading to their babies in their bellies, right? And starting this at uh, pre-birth, birth, and continuing this at least through kindergarten is what the experts say. Beyond that is wonderful, but at least through kindergarten, what's going to happen is that these, when you are engaged in literacy-based activities as a routine or habit, you're going to be able to help your children build connections from their brains. And these connections are going to build language, literacy, and social-emotional skills that are really important for your child's development. So reading is a great way to enhance these skills. And when you are creating this habit, you're also taking, they they and you are taking on this persona of being a literate person, a person who enjoys being involved in literacy and enjoys books. 
right? Which is so foundational for life and when they begin school in kindergarten. Absolutely. There are so many benefits to reading and you can incorporate reading as a tool before sleep because it does aid in getting ready for sleep. It is something that has been shown to improve sleepiness and sleep readiness. And reading also does lower blood pressure and heart rate and reduces stress. So embodying this habit in your children at a young age is going to actually make them healthier and help them to be able to physiologically fight symptoms like depression and stress. And reading does prevent cognitive decline as you age. So it actually helps to sustain health and happiness into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, a, a wonderful habit to have. I'm <laughs> just kind of s- smiling right now because um, I mean, there's so many audiobooks as well, aren't there? That's what I'm thinking of. Like the world has changed for sure. Um, when we were growing up, right? We had so many books that we could hold in our hand and now we can just listen to them. And maybe that is where the world is going, but there's still opportunities to hold a book. But even if you are listening, your child is still able to Uh, build those connections when they're older, right? So um, having that language vocabulary development in how whichever way that you do is really the goal here. Exactly. And and some people are more uh, auditory than visual, for sure. Now, you did talk a little bit about how um, creating this routine of reading a book before bed can help with sleep, right? And this is another sleep is another really important habit that is so beneficial for your children. Now you think of um, babies, right? When they're napping, when you when they're on a schedule, as parents, we don't want to, we do not want to get away from that schedule, because it's created this habit with our babies of falling asleep at a certain time. And when you deviate from that, they become cranky or whatever, right? Now, if we hold that onto that concept and we transfer that to our children as they're growing older and giving them a, the safest environment to promote sleep at an optimal time, again, you're going to be creating this habit where they're going to have restful sleep. So they are prepared for the day ahead. And consistency here is something that is of the key, right? So a lot of the times when you're going to sleep at the same time and and waking up at the same time, your body will become accustomed to it. So really being, I know a lot of you listening to this are probably aware of that, but being mindful of it as well and implementing it um, is something that I know I struggle with personally, and I know that you do too, Dimple. So um, it just keeping it at the back of our minds and really putting in a lot of effort for us as a family to make sure that um, Mayal goes to sleep at a certain time every day is the focus right now for us. 
I'm really glad you brought that up because it's actually at the forefront of my mind. I am that guilty parent that doesn't always follow uh, getting to bed on time and getting Adia to bed on time. And I know that it is a habit that I have developed in my adult life because when I was growing up, I was put to bed at, at 8 p.m. every day and it was something that I grew up with. But as I got older, I remember staying up under the covers and reading books with a flashlight. (laughs) So so I developed this habit of of staying up. I can picture that. (laughs) (laughs) And it it went into my university years, and it was really hard to break. So now it is on the forefront of my mind. And when I coach a lot of teen girls, they always struggle with their sleep. And it's because they've gotten out of the rhythm of following their body's circadian rhythm. And they're going to bed late and they're on their screens. And they are obviously uh, having some of their anxiety and depression symptoms as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So in order to raise kids that are in a better mood, uh, that are able to learn better, that are more effective in their, uh, in their functioning of their bodies. Sleep is one of the biggest habits that we need to embody. And from nine to 11 PM, the spleen is uh, very active. And that is where we metabolize our foods and uh, our emotions. And it, if the spleen becomes weak, the body will become weak in many areas. I didn't know that about the spleen from nine to 11. Yeah. Nine to 9 PM to 11 PM is a great time to read and to relax. And from 11 PM to 1 AM is when our body actually does cellular repair. So that's a great time to actually be sleeping. And that's according to the Chinese body clock. Uh, Mm -hmm. when, um, when you look at the timing of the organs and the way the body works. Wow. So that's uh, really um, points us in a good direction of creating this healthy habit of sleep for sure. Exactly. It's motivating. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Another, the last really big habit that Dimple and I are really passionate about is really creating the habit of expressing gratitude and having this environment where you not only become aware of what you're grateful for, but express it within your whole being. There are so many studies on gratitude and it has been shown to help people become healthier and happier people. And being grateful also helps people to connect with something greater than themselves. So it's not a forced thank you. You know, it's teaching kids to genuinely mean it and be grateful for whatever it is they're grateful for it. So having that gratitude practice, and it could come back to doing it before bed. It is a key to living a happier life for sure. And we can model gratitude to our kids and we can actually have a gratitude practice with our kids. So making it a family habit to talk about what you're grateful for every day before bed, but actually studies show writing it down is more effective and actually changes the brain 
when we write it down. So it increases the activity in the prefrontal cortex, and that is associated with learning and decision-making. So it's really, really beneficial for kids to have a gratitude practice. Mm -hmm. And again, you can start this at a really, really young age. Um, I oftentimes when you speak of gratitude with young children, they're kind of like, okay, I'm grateful for my toys or whatever, right? But uh, it's not so impactful. But remember that the key here is consistency. And in order to create a meaningful habit that is going to help our children to become happy individuals, they are going to have to practice this every day. So if in the beginning, you're not getting the response that you think you should get or you want to get, just keep at it, right? Now, one way of doing this is to do the two stars and a wish with your young kids. So, you know, really quickly, right before you, they go to bed or when they come home from school or at the dinner table, it's um, what are you, two things that you're really grateful for today? And the wish is, oh, well, what, what would you have liked to have be different today. So you're really focusing on the two stars and you're also acknowledging that, you know, not everything's going to be perfect in the day, but there's still so many other things, in this case, the two other things to be grateful for. And then that kind of visual, the two stars and a wish really sticks in young kids. It's a visual that they can keep in their minds. And as they grow older, they will really start to subconsciously do their own two stars in a wish and express gratitude on a deeper level. Absolutely. And what it actually gets them to do subconsciously throughout their lives is to look for the things that they can be grateful for. And so there again, they're putting attention on the positives rather than the negatives. And we all know that where our intention flows, energy goes. So it's a really good practice to have them do because it activates their reticular activation system in the brain and helps them to focus on positive things. Now, we still want to teach them that all emotions are okay, but gratitude has been measured to be a very high frequency emotion. And so in turn helps them to be happier in life and in uh, adult life as well. Yeah, I can't remember, you know, I'm just thinking back even like last week, like when things get really stressful, I look at what I'm grateful for, mm -hmm. right? And it really does change my perspective on life. And it just gives you this, this, this undescribable energy to push forward mm -hmm. and to, um, you know what? It also creates a sense of calm, I have to say. It creates it does. a sense of calm and comfort, right? It does. And you're training your brain to be more sensitive to the experience of gratitude, right? So you are going to create a sense of calm. And 
anything that creates a sense of calm is a good habit to form for our, for our kids, Mm -hmm. anything that helps them to be calm and to regulate their nervous system. So gratitude is one of them. The physical exercise is one of them. The healthy eating is one of them. The sleep is one of them. The reading is one of them. All of these promote a healthy, regulated nervous system, which is going to lead to a happier child. So it will also help them with self-control as well. And people who have self-control report better moods and they don't put themselves in as uh, tempting situations as often as other people. So they essentially set themselves up to be happy. And that's what we want to do for our children by fostering these healthy habits when they are young. And so these are just a few, and I know that they seem simple and they seem basic and they're probably things that you already do, but having a little bit more perspective around them and having a little bit more knowledge of the science behind these concepts is really a motivator to continue. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, even though like we may know of these, but really becoming intentional about it will help us put it into practice. Because I find, find, for example, myself, that even though I have the knowledge around all these, I'm not necessarily implementing this Mm -hmm. unless I am consciously aware of it. So right now, as we're speaking about this, I'm becoming again more consciously aware of it so that I am able to implement it. It's just so fascinating because these habits, as you were talking, Dimpo, I kept thinking about self-soothing, right? And the self-soothing principle, self-soothing for emotional regulation, for physical stimulation. And as our kids grow older, and if they don't have these practices in play, they will need to somehow self-soothe or get physical stimulation. And if we have created an environment where they can turn to healthy ways of self-soothing and physical stimulation, they will then not turn to destructive ways in reaching that same goal. That is so profound and so powerful. What a concept. This is how far reached these con this concept of fostering healthy habits in our children at a young age can go. Mm -hmm. And even things as simple as eating dinner together, studies show that those teens are less likely to experience substance abuse issues, or to exhibit any behavior problems. And the health eating, yes, you're promoting good health and all of that stuff. The kids are less likely to be overweight, but just a habit of having your meal together a few times a week can actually prohibit them from self-soothing in a destructive way in the future. Oh my gosh. I love this. I'm just, I feel such a sense of like, I don't even know what it is, but it's like this this passion around this because it's just something that we can 
totally implement right with our kids and like you said has such long lasting effects definitely and right now after doing this episode i'm very motivated to start sleeping on time with Adia and, <laughs> and making sure because when you look into it deeper and the science behind it and all of that it's like yes this is these are the simple things we can do and they're easy to implement and get and use in our everyday lives so these are the habits. Let's start with these. And it will go a long, long way for our children. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. And we will uh, be in touch next week. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom parenting journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.